Welcome to the fifth episode of the Animal Riot Podcast, brought to you by Animal Riot Press, a literary press for books that matter. It's your producer, Katie, here, and this episode has been edited to reflect our new name. If you're new to the Animal Riot community, welcome, and you can find out more about us at AnimalRiotPress.com. Now on to the episode with your hosts, Brian Birnbaum, and today's guests, Drew Wilkerson, Mariah Harrison, Marcus Fisher, Sam Cooper, and the one and only gang. We're still down here in Little Rock, Arkansas, and because of that, we'll be doing something a little different this episode. Little Rock is special to us. It's where our producers, Katie Rainey, who unbelievably is just one person, hail from. Along with her brother Roy and her sister Lizzie, whom you met last episode, Katie was exposed to art throughout her childhood here in Little Rock. But come time to start her career, Little Rock's limitations instilled in her a desire to take her talents to New York. How many cities watch their brightest stars gravitate toward the naked singularity that is New York, that cosmic force of mass and mystery? From this experience, and the experience of countless others that Katie has encountered across her young career, was born a mission, to uplift the arts and arts communities in cities like Little Rocks, and all the smaller cities and towns where artists can start to feel stuck, yet scared of that cosmic mass to the northeast. Lucky for Katie, that's part of our goal here, not only to uplift writers and their communities, but also to remember why we fell in love with literature in the first place. So, this episode features five artists spread over three different locations here in Little Rock. Each plies their own craft, each with their own story of what brought them or keeps them here. Yet what braises them all are their strong views on Little Rock's art and literature scene, particularly what it needs to grow and thrive. Right now we're here with none other than Gangy. Katie's grandmother, who who most shape well, Katie, I guess. What does she most shape about you? Everything. My face. Your face. Twenty five percent of your face. Oh, that's right. <laughs> this woman or shaped. More. I mean, she's the reason I write. Uh, when I was when I was six, she gave me my first journal, and I have been writing in journals ever since, and now have a giant trunk <laughs> full of lovely intellectual writings i'm sure <laughs> and, well i think it culminated in the entry in which you wrote the the world is like a cigarette yeah Genghi, i gave that was the i highlight. gave him my high school journal and he flipped <laughs> open to one of them or i gave him one of my high school journals because there's many and he flipped open and the first thing he saw was the world is like a cigarette and so he <laughs> What did this lead to? Yeah, well, I'm I'm actually not did sure you, yet what it means. You didn't finish the the entry. I did, but I still don't, I don't think I remember. I don't. Remember. I think you just left it like that, and you just moved on, and and it was like we're supposed to understand that. Clearly, I was just brilliant. <laughs> so 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 since I'm actually on this podcast, I think this is my first time on the yep. on the actual podcast. I norm, Gangi, normally I produce it from behind the scenes, but finally the. Uh, Women outnumber the men. I think this is yeah. the first time. It's as yeah. good mm-hmm. as it should be. Yeah, I'm right. I'm the Wizard of Oz come out from behind the curtain right now. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 also true. So, mysterious Gengi lady, what is your real name? My whole name is Suzanne, S U Z Z A N E. Get it wrong and she'll beat you. Middle A-N-E. initial T, which stands for Terensky. Last name Watts, W A T T S. In case you didn't catch it, Suzanne T. Watts, nom de guerre, gangy, is Katie's grandmother. 
Gangi serves as her granddaughter's muse, the doyen after which she models her artistic endeavors. But back in the day, Gangi was a talented dancer in her own right, and she's still a fervent visual artist. She's danced all over, with companies as prestigious as Jacob's Pillow, the Metropolitan Opera, and dancers like Maria Tall Chief, Madame Krask, and her beloved mentor, June Runyon. I didn't start dancing until I was a sophomore in high school. And Isn't I, that incredible? That's pretty yes. That's I very know, late, like, yeah. I loved it so much. And how did you find out about it? A girl that was a year ahead of me in class at Holy Family High School, where I went to high school, she took ballet just because she wanted the pretty pink toe shoes and everything. <laughs> she was as cute as the cutest little girl you've ever seen, but couldn't dance. But not working. a very good dancer. <laughs> you should see Gengi's feet. If you see her feet, then you know why she's a dancer. What, well, are, I don't, they, what I, are they all gnarled up or something? Or what? No, she's got an arch that's like, okay, see my foot? That's pretty flat. Mm. This is why I, mm. I danced for a while, but, and Gengi wanted me to dance, but I was just never going to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. But Gengi's feet are like this. <laughs> wow. I could practically bend them in and half. The, the, mm-hmm. front, the front of my foot and the back of my foot, when I walk in the sand, it's two completely different spots. It doesn't spots. look like a uh-huh. There's, They don't connect. There's two indentations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We also spoke to Mariah Harrison and Drew Wilkerson, two of Katie's close friends since high school and both active members of Little Rock's arts and culture scene. Right now, we're here with Mariah and Drew. Drew, who I met like two days ago. When Correct. I was barely conscious. Yeah. Because I had gotten way too fucked up the night before. You did pretty good, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess. I made it to 9.15. But you guys introduce yourself, and then you can comment on my ability to withstand yeah. marijuana overdoses. Okay. Yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> Mariah Harrison is an anthropologist, crafter slash creator, and camel whisperer. She graduated with a BA in anthropology and a minor in Middle Eastern studies from the University of Arkansas at Little Rock in the fall of 2016. In addition to her excavation trips to Oman and her ability to paint and craft weird works of art, she also has the cutest pup this side of the Mississippi, River Song. So, Mariah, yeah, you do archaeology. I do. Is that your art form? Mm, it's a passion. I do other types of art form. I paint, I craft, I make baskets. I don't know. Whenever I get stressed out, mostly, and annoyed with people, I start... So painting so like a lot i put a lot of my style yeah a lot yeah drew on the other hand is a local bartender and musician who has played in a ton of bands around the city drew is currently in a band that's touring around the state i am i'm in a band called listen sister we are working on our finishing our second album and we have a, a habit of it taking like a year and a half to finish an album rounding out this episode's triumvirate of conversations are sam cooper and marcus fisher Though Sam is technically Katie's cousin, the two were raised practically as siblings and act like it too. Marcus is a local tattoo artist, musician, painter, and transplant from our home base, New York City. Sam and Marcus are roommates in a house perhaps 50 paces from Gangies. Welcome. Yeah. You guys want yeah. to introduce Yeah, so Marcus Fisher is yeah, sitting you, to my left, and let's my do name that. is Sam Cooper. You introduce Marcus, and then Marcus, you introduce Sam. Yeah, okay. Let's do that. Marcus Fisher, everybody. Yeah. Marcus Fisher. Yeah. yeah. Let's applaud, we're applauding. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Say, uh, cheers. There we go. Mm. Cheers indeed. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers again. Though we're cutting these three sessions into a single collage of an episode, our producers didn't feel that this excused me from offering and participating in a unique challenge during each session. Well, okay. So I'll, I'll talk about the challenge. 
which oh, is yeah. very okay. simple right now. We call it our hour. The hour's brand of fuckery is what we call okay. our challenges. <laughs> and it's brought to you by Eggnog, which I have never, I don't think I've ever had until I came here. I'm pretty sure. It's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, the, yeah, the challenge is to ingest all of this eggnog that we have before us without getting too inebriated for a Christmas Eve company. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what, what the brand is, isn't it? Um, it's Pennsylvania yeah. Dutch. P- yeah, Pennsylvania great. Dutch. Yeah, let's plug mm-hmm. it. Now we'll, now we'll demand monies from them. Yeah. <laughs> You know, our challenge could Mm -hmm. be how many times we say absolutely. Absolutely. Because me and Drew say it a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. I say it all the time. Let's take a drink, guys. Absolutely. We call the challenges like this hour's brand of fuckery. Okay. So this hour's brand of fuckery is brought to you by Christmas wine. And the challenge is for me and Marcus. Marcus and I. Marcus and I to finish a glass of wine every 10 minutes. So we have... Seven minutes until the until uh, the next one. So keep up, and, and uh, for Sam to be a bitch and try and keep up. Uh, yeah, I had to, shit, I, had to I gotta I gotta cook tonight. So <laughs> if now, dinner's gonna uh, get done. To be fair, Sam was quite toasted last night. <laughs> yes, hand off the bone. He's yes, got a lot to make up for it. As it turns out, this episode's three challenges paled in comparison to what I now realize is an insidious misnomer: Southern hospitality. Cut off those last three letters and the phrase better aligns with what I needed the morning after our first visit with Sam and Marcus earlier this week. Should we talk Jesus. about what you did to me the other night? Like right now? Like sure. right now, right away? Okay. And I warned you. It was, I should have <laughs> known better. And So basically, let me, give some, let me give some precedent. I was at Katie's Aunt Julie's mm-hmm. and we were, oh, well, Sam's mother, right? I, yeah. should, I, should, yeah. I should note that. Yeah. 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 Without Sam, I was at your mom's house, dude. Yeah. All right, anyways, <laughs> and we were, you I know, approve. we were just we were just smoking cigarettes and getting hammered, and and Daryl was coming out with his vape and like you know we were smoking bowls on the deck and whatever. Oh, and so yeah. I and then we go over to yours afterwards, After and we're drinking pretty more, well. About like I guess we're. I'm I was already. Last night. I'm already slipping in in terms of <laughs> memories being formed at that point, and then and I was like, hey, I've got these lovely treats, you know. Mm-hmm. And every and, and everyone uh, else said no, but I, you know, of course, which makes me say yes. And I was like, "Hey, would you like one of these? You know, one of these uh, non-drug filled treats, <laughs> can of treats." Basically, and I had too much sugar. Yeah, and, uh, I blacked and out I was for like, about twelve hours. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, "Well, you might want to eat half of it," you know, trying to rationalize with a very rational Brian at that point. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he said. He said, fuck it, I'm going to eat it all right now. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's the quote. As I do. <laughs> yes. So I do. I do take partial blame for no, I don't think you it. should. But you're yeah, having, having a good time, man. you got to dive in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whole damn thing. All but anyways, way. I just wanted that on record because that was probably the most lasting memory slash non-memory I'll have of Arkansas. <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> that's a good memory to take on. I woke up with my world absolutely changed <laughs> for good. <laughs> All right, but anyways. Were you feeling okay the next day? Uh, Oh, no, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. I had to just, oh, my God. Did you get any sleep? I got too much sleep. (laughs) 12 hours. 12, 13 hours or something. It was like I hadn't slept. It was like I just walked into a fugue state and came back, you know? Like I was naked at a grocery store for like 12 hours and just walked back. (laughs) Despite the existential crisis brought on by well-meaning Southerners and their sadistic hosting methods that runneth your cup over, I had a fucking blast. Little Rock is full of life and laughter and people who just want to connect and share their stories. 
Far from a podunk town ten galaxies over, we're beginning to realize that Little Rock is ideal precisely because it's still largely malleable, providing a unique opportunity to draw from untapped resources and create a supportive artistic community. So, Gengi, we really wanted you to be on this podcast because, well, one, I mean, I wouldn't be a writer if it weren't for you. And you're also an artist yourself, and so I think we want to talk a lot about that because some things you don't know about our press, I think, is that we're trying to start kind of an artist salon down here. It's oh, a, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are some things we, we are hoping Wonderful. to do. And so we, in order to like galvanize that community, we're just talking to people and learning things and building on that community. I don't know anything else I'm missing, well, Brian. that's great. How would that work? Katie's the one, Katie's the uh, the ringleader of all this. Oh, she is, okay. Well, yeah. we're actually doing a podcast later this evening. We're, mm-hmm. It's a doubleheader on Christmas Eve here mm-hmm. with two people with Mariah. You know Mariah, Mariah Harrison, my best friend. And another friend of ours, Drew Wilkerson, who is a musician here. And they want to help really start this salon here. So it would be, you know, we run our reading series up in New York. Uh-huh. And so it would be a lot like the reading series, except for not not just for writers and readers, but it would be for all artists to come share their artwork. Oh, and that's cool. Build I like community. That. Yeah. I like and it, that. Yeah, it could be anything, really. Yeah. You know? I really like that. Yeah. Well, and then it doesn't matter, really. I mean, artists feed off of each other. Uh, you know, if, like if I meet a trombonist or a <laughs> pianist or whatever. Somehow it's just a more exciting conversation than the accounts, accountants, and et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing against the accountants, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's I why, that's... yeah, I think that's why we wanted you on here, and that's why we want to do this. I mean, as a writer, I get tons of inspiration from other art forms. Brian also raps. Did you know that about him, mm-hmm. Genki? I'm kind of, I'm, I'm retired. <laughs> I would say I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I retired in my prime. I see. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to play. Some I have a few fire game. tracks, though. I'll, uh, I'll have to play them for her. When you went to New York, was it life changing? Did you did it like open your eyes to anything, or was it kind of? Oh yeah, well, experience? I didn't get to see that much of it. Really? No, oh. no, no, because of it was like military. Yeah, camp. you. Because see, the, this dawn. is back back in the day when uh, young young girls, especially young girls from the south. <laughs> weren't allowed in the city by themselves hardly so you had a chaperone somebody staying with you at the hotel and everything but you snuck out sometimes oh yeah yeah this is what i want to hear so (laughs) with so have you ever heard of the the musical smoky joe's cafe i think you mentioned it before to me but is that that a jazz club that was uh, when i was studying at jacob's pillow there was a little bar about two miles down this uh, dirt road from us on kind of a little highway, I guess. We older kids, I was all of 17, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but we would sneak out at night and go down to the Pines. That was it, the Pines. And um, a real nice older woman and her husband ran it. We got to be good friends with them, and so we would serve drinks for them, and they'd give us drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Just get behind the bar. <laughs> no, no, we served them to the table. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. But they yeah. would give you drinks, uh-huh. too. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a drink for bringing a drink. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. <laughs> Gangu okay. wasn't a saint, is what you're saying. <laughs> she was a rebel artist. I mm-hmm. did everything any other kid has ever done, I think. <laughs>
<laughs> to my continued amazement, I would come to discover that Gangi plays a starring role in the lives of countless Little Rockians, in both the arts community and beyond. Later in life, upon moving on from her dancing career, Gangi took up visual and mixed media arts. Is he the one that got you into theater? When you were a kid? Uh, I think Gangi really. I that was you too. I, I think Gangi yeah. kind of just you anything just... to do with the arts. Gangi mm-hmm. was in it, doing it, and encouraging me to do it. The only thing that I never could encourage her to really do is write, even though she's got some amazing stories. I've been trying to get her to journal for years. Mm-hmm. Well, I try to journal, but I get off the track. <laughs> <laughs> Gangi, the world is like a cigarette. Okay. <laughs> Okay. You just, you Are don't. you telling me I am off the track all the time? Anyway? <laughs> well, speaking of that, I'd like to mention just because you're Katie's wearing the talking about practice shirt uh, right now. Yes, that I got talking about practice, Gangi. And so I, I had to show Gangi the other day the uh, Alan explain- Iverson video. Yeah. Well, for somebody who doesn't know who that is, like I still yeah, don't really yeah, remember who yeah, that is. Yeah. But the, it. that was. Oh yeah. I'll explain it. Okay. Yeah. Basically, Alan Iverson. He's getting questioned about why he wasn't at practice the other day. You know, this is back when he was playing around the turn of the century or something. He eventually just goes off on a rant and he just keeps repeating. We're talking about practice, not the game I love, not the game I die for. We talking about practice. It's a great video. I wish we could link it on this podcast. And, but. Uh, we could probably play it <laughs> yeah. in here. And you showed that to Gangi the other day. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> he had no time. <laughs> Gangi painted sets, worked on school plays, made costumes, and encouraged rabbles of children to immerse themselves in various artistic endeavors across the city. But more than that, she was always listening, always there for those who needed her, always offering support to those struggling. She took in many of Katie's and Sam's friends as if they were her own grandchildren, and fostered their love for art no matter what medium it was. I feel like that if you can get a kid, an underprivileged kid, that's never been introduced printed word even. If you can get them to read anything, you know, that really excites them that they can get into, uh-huh. I think it's the first step in cutting loose some kind of a genius. Huh. Most of our podcast guests, I've come to realize, are somewhat hesitant at first, whether because of shyness or reasons more peculiar to the individual. But due in part to our producer's unparalleled editing aplomb, We've never failed to get our guests to open up. And it's right around now that each guest begins to paint a flavorful picture of their small slice of Little Rock's art scene, which is precisely why we've come together. To understand what moves the people here. To understand which forms of art and expression moves them. To understand what they read and why. To understand what they want from their community and how they can help achieve it. So, you know, we're launching this press uh-huh. and we have this podcast. You're making a rabbit for us, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because you also make, you know, I would say dancing was probably the first big chunk of your life. And eventually you moved into like visual art making and, and welding and building things. Welding. And, oh, yeah. yeah she's... Oh, I love woodworking. Mm. She gave me a Dremel tool for my 10th birthday. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> and, I don't know uh, what that is. <laughs> <laughs> let's, oh, let's I'm just, going to get him one. Oh, yeah. he, just just for, the, for everyone else listening out there, I'm the northerner down here in Little Rock, so <laughs> he, I couldn't even go la- out and rake Gengi, leaves. He laughed one time I came here to visit you and we were cleaning up the yard and I was texting with Brian. I said, we're do- we're out back doing yard work, having some beers. And he was like, yard work? And he just died laughing. He thought that was the funniest thing. He's like, you actually do yard work? And I was like, yeah. I thought we just had machines roving around everywhere that did everything for us, you know? 
I guess we're not quite there yet. A side note. My Yankee anti-yard working ways are a running joke down here. But the joke is really on them because I didn't do any of it. So split your sides out, my southern friends, so long as I don't have to sacrifice my afternoon building piles of foliage or whatever it is people toil over in their yards. Well, so we're, you know, we're doing this press and it's, you know, I don't know if we've really had time to sit down with you and tell you why we want to launch it and why we want to do this press. But we're really, our, our tagline is books that matter. So yeah. we feel that one, writers aren't really cared for a lot in the publishing industry in the literary industry it's it's become such a i don't i don't know uh, yeah i think i think they just pour all their money into the people that they know are going to make money and so when that happens you can't get new people that are going to start well, selling and you know it's, it's it's mainly a war between the editors isn't it everything i've i was always felt like the editors were trying to one up one another rather than that's that's very true rather um, than go especially about 10 years ago it kind of came to a head because they were they were starting to give these writers advances that were so huge they didn't just need there was no way they were going to make that much money back uh-huh. on a book you know yeah they were just letting it get out of control and so no one else is getting a piece of the pie they can't publish other yeah. novels it's only the yeah. ones they think are going to sell and so yeah i think we're just trying to i mean <laughs> Get, Here we are. We can't to get real to get real, new and real writers. Yes, and exactly. innovative literature and things that mm-hmm. are. I mean, a lot of the literature we see, we feel caters to like a, the same whatever trend, and mm-hmm. then it falls off, and no one cares about the yeah. book, and people aren't actually creating. Like, I mean, there are there are writers out there who are creating meaningful art, and that's kind of why we want to start this press is because we want to find them and we want to build more community. Oh, I think that'd just be great. We, we're mm-hmm. tired of just, like, online communities of writers. We want in-person, you know, book readings and sharing and to just cultivate more of an energy around that and around maybe a little bit more difficult literature, too. Stuff that people can read. It's just that the industry is kind of telling them that they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like our one of our good friends, Sergio de la Pava, him and his wife are just amazing. He wrote a book that was like this thick. You know, it was called A Naked Singularity. Incredible book. And yeah, one of one of my favorite books ever. Um, and his new one's amazing too. And he couldn't get it published anywhere. He sent it to 90, 100 agents, whatever. Three years, he finally just put it away. And then his wife self-publishes it for him. And I guess publicizes it. I, I've never really gotten the full story on that, actually. Mm. I would love to talk to her about it sometime. And then it sells a lot, you know, like 30,000 copies, something like that. And then now he's getting published with a big press just because he's, like, you know, proven it. But that book's not easy. It's not easy to read. I mean, you know, for especially for people that don't read that but much. But no, one, no one would take a chance on it. And so his wife, yeah. his wife just said, screw the industry. I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And she did. And then it got picked up by a press because she actually did the legwork. And we were, we were like, you know what? It shouldn't have to be like that. Because there's a whole lot that, like, in publishers, they'll just put out a book and they don't support you on the book tours, like micro stuff, like little things to promote. You don't, you don't realize how much promotion really needs to go into a press. And so these are all things that we're really trying to create and more, I kept saying holistic in the beginning, but that sounds so granola crunchy, just mm-hmm. like a, a more supportive press and community. Yeah. How, how much interaction other than me have you had with writers throughout your life? Probably none, let's see. No, I don't think I've ever had any interaction with a writer hmm. before. I mean, I was all—I always loved writing. Well, you're a big reader. I was until my eyes went south. <laughs> yeah, but we have discovered that the large print does help you a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right? it and does. So it really gotta, does. Yeah, so that has um, to change. Yeah, we'll have to make our books available in large print mm-hmm. for yes. sure for Gengi. Mm-hmm. We can also do. We're also going to do audio books too. I don't know if you've. 
Uh, there's something about the printed page that has more romance to it. It's just I more. I mean, it's just like reading a book on an iPad. I I don't want to do that. I know. <laughs> I don't either. I, don't I like want to feel the cover. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. Well, what do you like to read? Actually, for my fun reading, my thing I enjoy probably the most is uh, courtroom drama. <laughs> John Grisham? Uh, yeah, John Grisham was good, but uh-huh. uh, and I wish I could remember the names now, but Lorna Patterson is one. Oh, James God, Patterson. Oh, God, Gangi, we're oh, going to... Yeah. Gangi, don't, know. <laughs> You're my idol. <laughs> no, this is great. This is... Uh, now we're going to get, like, those McSweeney's... Oh, God. Pieces coming in, you know. <laughs> McSweeney's does these pieces, like, making fun of, like, all the commercial writers and stuff. It's pretty well, funny. Well, she redeems herself because she likes my writing, too. Yeah, so. there you go. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh-huh. You just got to start sending her more stuff. You know? Well, <laughs> and I like that one writer, one writer that writes about this brilliant detective who... Um, Perot? No. He became injured somehow. He's a quadriplegic, and he's bedfast, and he just... Lives in a room with his caretaker. His specialty was he knew different varieties of dirt <laughs> and sand <laughs> and gravel and stuff like that. So okay, he could. The bone collector's coming up? Is that it? Wait, wait, wait. That may be bone collector. It looks like it was made into a movie. The bone collector was, uh, was that not Anthony Hopkins or maybe Denzel Washington? I'm just. Uh, it I'm was just, Denzel Washington. Den- Denzel Washington. Yeah, but who, who wrote it? John Deaver? I guess that's Beaver with a D. <laughs> Beaver, yeah, that's him. That's him. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's, to... he, that, he really writes stuff that you can just really get your teeth into. Well, okay, so I have a question about that because, you know, we, we joke that we read more snobby literary fiction. Uh-huh. So what do you think about that? And what do you think about literary fiction? Like, what is it? What is its place in the world? Oh, okay. Well, Katie, of course, I'm a little bit prejudiced <laughs> My granddaughter does <laughs> quite an excellent job. I, I just don't. I think a good writer is a good writer, whether he's writing, I like that, uh, whatever, or literary treatises. Or, just a good writer can just get a hold of you and hold you there, hold you in that book. One of my very favorite books. I'm sure you probably never have heard of it. Secret of Santa Vittoria. It's a little town in Italy. It sounds like a, an erotica novel. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a, a, a teeny little town on a mountainside in Italy that produces the most marvelous grapes, mm-hmm. the best wine in the world. And the Germans try to get, they come take over the town, they try to get the wine, and it's the townspeople hiding this wine from the Germans and how they managed to do it near but it is written oh it's just written where you get chills up your spine and it's one of those books that when you're nearing the end of the book you start reading more slowly because you don't want it to end mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that feeling yeah is that was that written by an American or yes an Italian one, maybe one, no one one minute and I'll remember his name you but also anyway. you also read the mothers recently you liked that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, you read that. The Mothers, yeah. Yeah, she loved that. Yeah, she I finished that. it in like 24 that's, hours that's, or something. That's pretty, That's sort of literary. That's oh, like, that's pretty literary, yeah, literary. fiction. Yeah, yeah that's, that's I would literary. say so. Yeah. It's got, a, it's got a commercial appeal to it, but that's, that's, I'd say that's literary. Fiction. Yeah, I mean, I'd say those are some of the most successful literary books. Like yeah, that, right, right. Of, those, of today. Yeah. 
I could listen to Gangy talk all the live long day about her favorite books, about the weird artists she knows, about anything that lets my ears luxuriate in her smooth rasp like stippled silk. And don't worry, we'll come back to her yet. But for now, we're going to take inventory of the resources to which Little Rock artists have access. What people may not know is that Little Rock was actually a huge haven for the underground music scene back in the 90s. Hey Drew, what would you say our Little Rock music scene's like? I can only talk about like this area, maybe some Argenta stuff that goes on. But is there like a turf war going on? Argenta is a North Little Rock. See, there's a a line between Little Rock and North Little Rock. The line is a river. Secretly hate each other. I don't. No, I hate Sherwood a lot. Yeah. Like their I music like, or their music or their people. Oh no, they don't. We don't have representations like that. I wish we did. Yeah. I wish we had turf war and everybody was <laughs> walking around snapping their fingers. That'd be super great. <laughs> no, Sherwood just sucks. <laughs> West Little Rock just sucks. I I talk to musicians like I know we know plenty of musicians. God, everybody here. we've known has been in a band at some point, I feel like. That's true, and we have some... Or, like, represented a band. I know, I tried to be management for, like, a while, but it was mostly a you joke. Did, you tried to manage a band? Well, it was mostly it's, a joke to get me into the shows without paying. Oh, that I see. Is so, the it was, number one yeah, part of being a, a bar manager, or uh, <laughs> being a band manager, is just like, hey, I just don't want to have to pay, and I want to feel a little bit more important than the rest of the people <laughs> just watching. That is really how it goes, and I 100% support it if you'll just... Do a little bit mm-hmm. of the. I mean, I you promoted go talking, them go constantly. That's great. Yeah. That's absolutely. That's your job. That's, that's what, you what do. I had to do, and I got in for free. Yeah. Also, absolutely. slightly underage because I either worked the video camera or Uh-oh. some other lie. Because mm-hmm. we all started this at a young age. Yeah. We have a local pizza place nearby called Vinos, which basically has been the hub of most bands here for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Dino's used to be... Um, I saw Floggy Molly there. So pe- oh, uh, Pooley, so people are, Voodoo Head. Like, people are eating pizza. Pumpkins, and come. It's just like You a, have not been to Vino's, I don't no, believe. No, no. Oh, you should. Vino's is really good. It's good. Huh. Uh, Vino's is arguably like the best pizza in Little Rock. I say... And, and the Smashing Pumpkins played at a pizza place? Yeah, like back in the nineties, like Blink or not Blink One Eighty Two, Green Day. Like they used yeah. to be like the big place that is nuts. for underground. Like it was I'd underground, say underground. Yeah, I feel like there was way more music in the nineties that was underground than there is today. My very first musical concert ever was when I was eleven, and I went to Vino's to see my older brother play in Firehouse. The was band was band? Firehouse. Something like that, like you know, fire burning. I feel like uh, something. <laughs> the I, roof is on fire. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, the roof is on fire. <laughs> we didn't need any water. None. None. Don't put all. it out. <laughs> That's also um, another Nelly mm-hmm. music video hot in here. You guys wouldn't know. You guys are too young. Trauma. Grow Please. up. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I feel like I feel like the uh, I feel like the underground is because like because back in the day the underground was like okay you're not signed. Now it's like you just, you just no one knows you. You know that's yeah. like that's what the underground is now. You're just touring in your we city small, or something like that. You know? that's, that's the that's the because like, you can just put your shit on Spotify now or we YouTube. We have a small, like, whatever, small bit you know? of hip hop here too that blew up. The Smashing Pumpkins playing at a pizza place here in Little Rock is tantamount to the Chili Peppers playing their pre-Californication comeback show at the 9:30 Club in D.C. Only way cooler because it's a fucking pizza place. 
To a bass head like me, I was fascinated by much of what Drew had to say about the local music scene and its history. And again, while I could also listen to Drew wax cynical on the lack of music wars here in Little Rock all the live long day, and while we do aim to create a community that includes all walks of artists, our true love does lie with literature. So, apropos of our conversation about the changes in underground music, I asked about Little Rock's writing scene, what that looks like, and which writing communities have managed to prosper despite seeing big talent gravitate to the big cities. So, guys, uh, I was I was just wondering, is there a, an underground Little Rock writing scene? Yes. I would say yes. There are people in Little Rock who write. There are... And aren't known. <laughs> and aren't known. I w- yeah, I, w- I, would I would wager s- there are. I don't know if there are people who write in Little Rock who are known. <laughs> uh, we're not really known. We're, we're, like, Little Rock, Arkansas is not really known for its like literary prowess. But also, we have really good writers here. We really do. So it should be. There's not a connectivity to... The arteries that, like, of, uh, of, of like publishing and stuff like that. Well, I feel like a lot of things also go through the universities nearby. Like, they're really good at, like, doing things. I see. Because I feel like the last time I went to a reading was at Fino's, actually. And um, So they do exist. That was, like, three that's or good. four years ago. We, that's good. Oh, that was, that was a while, though. Yeah. We have stuff. I've been, to, I've been to some where they're packed, and I've been to some where, like, I'm one of five people there. Yeah. That's yeah. what... There's not... There's not enough promotion I can for also see, finding oh, people God. who are willing to do it. Because yeah. people say they're going to do something, and then like you have to kind of go, well, are they really going to? Mm-hmm. You know. I can also see that if most stuff goes through the schools, like I think because the school right, has its own literary magazine and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, and right and writing and in New York only, is not. It's only looked at by certain people. Yeah, I never got a copy, honestly. To tell you the truth, yeah, like that's, I knew it existed, but I never had a copy. It's like, like, oh, you like to do this, and this is this is with like every form of art, really, probably everywhere. There's, oh, you like to do this, where well, you're gonna have to play by these certain rules in order for you to be able to do this, and a lot of people just don't, they just quit. They yeah. go to their job where that's they get paid. true. Yeah. Yeah, and it's or they've like, got family or kids or something like that. Yeah, and that's because some of there's these two women that I know very close who are phenomenal writers, and one of them just wrote a book. But they also they're mothers, they're single mothers, uh-huh. and so it's kind of hard to get them to come out and do something. So they do most of their stuff through social media. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's easier. So if they want like a copy or something, message me. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Rather than going out somewhere. That's well. Yeah, that's ex- pretty much exactly what you said. And I mean, like sit stories like that. Mm-hmm. What what you said, Mariah. I mean, it's just so hard to sit there and write in a room by yourself for years and get nothing in return. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, you you got to make money, and some people just quit. Or yeah. Or you wallow, and it, that can be just as depressing, or you know whatever. And honestly, we have a lot of ideas. I mean even going so far as like commissioning writers or something like that but we're not there yet because we yeah, <laughs> we don't well, know if we're that rich <laughs> we're definitely not there in Little uh, yeah, Rock right. yet <laughs> uh, I completely support that but basically like we're already talking to writers that we like a lot and saying you know if you can finish this we'd love to publish it you know and I mean if I had an outlet like that when I started my novel shit it would have been a lot easier for me you yeah. know so yeah I mean I think in Little Rock being removed I, I was when you were talking about people 
going through the school, sometimes I feel like that's the sign where things are kind of tough because you have to go through academia mm-hmm. where like writing is like fun. It's great to have a literary journal at a school, but in New York, it's like we have all this shit going on that that's re- totally removed from any institution. You know, it's so just it's probably all mm-hmm. we have. I can't yeah. think of any literary. We have so like at Vino, sometimes at Whitewater, every very rarely at PCG. Very actions, rarely. They will, like there there are people that do it, but there's not a way. There's not there's not a revenue stream for the people that are orchestrating it to consistently do it. Like we are a very corporately run, corporately controlled state as a whole. We have a we have a very small number of people who control almost everything. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it being an independent person and not having money, it's very easy and happens all the time to just quit the stuff you love just to do the stuff that leaves the lights on your ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you gotta pay your bills. And it's so, it's it's The struggle bus is real. Yeah. Although none of our guests consider themselves writers, Little Rock is so small relative to the coastal population's notion of a city that their knowledge of what's here and who's doing it is based somewhat on villagistic bandies and rumors. I'm feeling a little nauseous, so let's just get this over. I know that there is a little bit of a literary scene here. I, I see things pop up from time to time where there's like poetry readings and spoken word readings and stuff like that. But the art scene has kind of died down here in Arkansas. Like it used to be huge. And well, I, okay, let me take that well, back. We do know it hasn't died down in Arkansas. Just it huge... just transferred from Little Rock to Fayetteville. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, like shit. everything's pretty much big and blowing up there. Like even all the big venues and sh- even all the big bands, they're coming through Fayetteville now. They're not Ooh. even coming through Little Rock. Wow. And that's the dumbest. So... I went to a TED talk here and... Uh-huh. It was TEDx, and they talked about how they fucked our our city, Little Rock, and our state. We moved. <laughs> it was a little. Uh, we were weren't as progressive as the rest of the people at the time, so we moved our university out of the capital city, up up north. And I don't know whose idea it was at the time, or who paid for to that. To Fayetteville, or what? To Fayetteville, yeah. yeah. So Fayetteville. Are there more people there now than in Little Rock? No, no, no. no. It's still about probably a third, I would say. Oh, that's I a think lot less. Fayette, if it's a like third, about then here. Three hundred thousand. I mean, there, there was, there was, yeah. It's about, it's like 200, 250. Yeah. Like if there's a third in Fayetteville, that's Dude, like where I grew up. It's, outside yeah. of Baltimore. It's, it's kind of like weird up there. Like it's that's like Walmart headquarters. So there's like. A Walmart ice cream shop. Yeah, it's uh-huh. a Walmart library. There's uh-huh. a Walmart dentist. And, uh-huh. Like it's every. It's like you're wow. like in the Branch Davidian compound, but it's like the Walmart Davidian compound. Uh-huh. <laughs> like uh-huh. everywhere you go, it's the Walmart sushi store. The Walmart. Uh-huh. Everything's like branched out in Walmart, and they've uh-huh. just got all the fucking money like flowing up there. So naturally, if that's where all the money is. That's where all everything's going down. Right. Right. So uh, everything's like coming out of there right now, and you know the Razorbacks are up there. That there's a bunch of schools up there, so I can't even blame them for like is running business up there. But it's kind of lame that it's transferred out of Little Rock. But the one thing I can say about Little Rock is it's small enough. It's big enough for you to still kind of get that city vibe if you wanted, but it's small enough to where if you want to be left alone and get some fucking work done, you can do that too. I see. Right. Yeah. There are yeah. things to do here, and people are. You know, when people talk about boredom, like, oh, I'm so bored. Like, well, there are 
tools and resources here. Like, yeah, you just got for to me, be I'm a like, little creative oh, I like and not to... like, expect things handed to you. <laughs> yeah, mm. I like to do pottery, but I don't have a studio. Well, I can <laughs> go to the art studio, the art, what is it, Arkansas Art Studio Center. There's lots the of things around center. town, too. There's pottery there. a replica model of a Japanese concentration, not concentration, camp, <laughs> oh, internment Lord. camp. Internment camp, yeah, yeah. That we yeah, had sure, here sure. in the 1940s. Sure. So if you want to learn about your liberal freedom and how much oh, you yeah. really don't have it, uh-huh. <laughs> right next to Big Whiskey's, there's a heritage center, and it's basically like you can go there, and they, everybody in the second or third grade went there and made candles and got to see what it used to be like back in the day walking around. And actually, they have a, an actual blacksmith there who pounds things out, and that's a, I, I like things that you – functional things. Dude, I like we're known for blacksmithing. Pottery. And, All and Rambo and I was from Arkansas. So if, if I was going to do anything or learn anything, it would be, be a blacksmithing skill. right now. Okay. I love to, you know, I'm enamored by Japanese culture and Can their swords. Can you make swords. me a spoon? <laughs> I bet I could. <laughs> I'd like a killer cereal spoon. Contrary to the cliched existential progression, from youthful optimism to elder crotchetiness, so stereotypical of the South... Gangi provided the brightest outlook of our three groups of guests. What do you think about like the arts and culture scene in here in Little Rock? You know, I told you we're trying to start this community here. Uh, I think it's a, a pretty good scene, pretty healthy. You know, there are a lot of little pockets of, you know, like the little theater thing downtown. The Arkansas the, Art Center, yeah. No, I mean... the. The little place downtown where it's like a bar. Oh, weekend theater? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah weekend, weekend theater. theater. And There's uh, a lot of theaters, actually. Surprisingly, yeah. like, the theater community here is pretty big. And a lot of, like, Ballet Arkansas and Festival Ballet. I yeah, there's a lot. I that place. <laughs> there's a lot of places like that. But surprisingly, I will say, having lived here and being in the writing scene, the writing community outside of, like, my friends from, I, you know, I went to the University of... Arkansas at Little Rock for my second bachelor's, got my English degree. Outside of that, I did not meet writers down here. I did not hang well, out with writers. Well, no, I remember when you had already gotten your feet in the sand writing, but Roy was th- thinking he wanted to write. Here, Katie and Gangy are referring to Roy Rainey, Katie's younger brother, an actual working actor in L.A. and an extremely talented one at that. Our loyal listeners will remember that we had Katie's sister, Lizzie Castile, a graphic artist and web designer, on the last podcast. The art force is truly strong with this family. He did? I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. I wanted I wanted him to t- be able to speak to somebody, and I think I looked up writers in the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> and I found some guy in, um, I don't know, some little town in Arkansas, but... Somehow I found out that he was a decent writer. At least he'd made some money at it. Charles Portis? <laughs> <He's> <laughs> that? Oh, True Grit? Charles Portis? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's no. like the big writer we have down there. Oh, that's a little, okay. Yeah. He's like a, a genuine recluse, is from what I understand. Although uh-huh. he, he would hang out at the bar that Mariah and I, off Town Pump, that we would hang out at. Um, mm-hmm. I never I never saw him. There was rumored that he hung out there. Mm. Boy, this was a rather gruff old man. I, I said, I said, what can I do to keep this boy's interest up or whatever? What he, should he be doing right now? And he said, writing. 
<laughs> he just needs to write. Oh, I love that just like militant writer. Like, crotch. I mean, like, true. that's all fine to say. But also, I mean, like, you need a having a community of supportive writers and going to readings and like meeting oh, other yeah. artists. It, yeah. it makes such a huge difference. I think it helps you get better when you get some feedback. Absolutely. But, uh, but he is right. Uh, that's uh, pretty well, funny. Yeah, too. we're both right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I imagine him no, slamming like, the door on you and just like. <laughs> no, I was on the phone. I was on the phone with him, and he's, and it was like, my God, woman, just tell him to write. <laughs> Aside from the fact that this story is just funny, to hear an esteemed author supply such a flippant answer to a grandmother who was merely looking for some artistic advice for her grandson is also indicative of unexamined barriers to creating and sustaining arts communities. Challenges we're familiar with through our efforts to grow the reading series in New York. However, Arkansas faces challenges particular to this region, and we asked Mariah and Drew to elaborate on this as future hosts of Salon here in Little Rock. We know. But you guys are, Katie is asking you guys to run the Little Rock Salon down here. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you guys have the time to do that. So I don't know, I guess, are you guys curious about what we're doing in New York? Are you excited to do it like in Little Rock? Do you think it's going to be a challenge? What do you guys think it's going to be like? I don't know. You just I, just know, talk about what you guys think. We, we're, we're kind of excited about what you guys want to do and how you see it. It can you know what I mean? be done. I feel like it might be a challenge because it's hard to get uh, things together and done here. The challenge, the thing is like what y'all did in New York and are doing in New York is a challenge. Here is going to be a challenge as well, but it's just going to be a different challenge. Like. We have drastically less people. Mm-hmm. We are that's that shocked me when I came here. Drastically Such more a small sprawled city. out than than yeah. y'all's millions of people in pretty much a small area. Very small island. Yeah. We have such a small fraction of that spread out, like forty five minutes in every direction. Mm-hmm. It's just we like we are like open road. So getting every getting everyone who wants to get involved involved and active is going to be hard uh, i think we're just going to start smaller but you got to mm-hmm. start somewhere yeah so exactly it will be a challenge but i think it will be totally worth it yeah because we we come at it from like obviously it's just literature you know but like you're a musician you like archaeology and you kind of just like stuff and curious in general you know is there anything else besides just well, pe- I, people coming up and reading or something? Like, would you guys like people playing music or what else? What else are people interested in down here? You know, well, I'm not technically in the literary. See, I don't write stories. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything like that. But I'm surprisingly surrounded by so many people who do. Yeah, and I read it and I love it and I support it. Mm-hmm. But I myself don't write it. Mm-hmm. But just recently, after you guys have been saying this, like so many of my close friends have started to write things like i've got this, oh wow that's cool you know um, they got motivated i don't want to name people's names on the podcast but just no, we got to call right out. out of a corner make them make them stick to it you they're know? gonna have to come out and do their stuff but it's just it's kind of unique to see how like one person starts something and then i'm more socially aware that things are happening around me right right and i want them to get their voices out and i want them to be known because i support it and i support them mm-hmm. and you know, maybe I might not have anything to contribute that way, but I can at least get promoted and encourage. Yeah, that's like the the important thing is like t- 
talking about yeah. it. It's spreading I did scientific it writing, and that's kind of boring. There's a subtle significance to Mariah's waning words there, one lurking at the edges of all my conversations with folks down here. To dig deeper into this feeling of being unmoored or unsupported, I asked Marcus and Sam about what I perceived as a sort of surrender with regards to the arts and culture scene here. Is there like a kind of a lower point right now in art? In, in Little Rock, like that's kind of like ready to kind of. In this like area, up, I would. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's about to surge again, but for a little while, it was trying to compete with like the Austin scene. Like we yeah, would have like and, artists and I could putting. I see that. To be honest, actually, we would put like artists putting up like random like exhibits, and there was like a big presence, and there were a lot of venues, and and we've been dubbed Little Austin. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you we go, which is fitting, right, right? And also because because um, uh, I know Katie was a big a big player in the in like the kind of the musical theater scene, like yeah. you know with the youth getting yeah, into youth, like you know youths. what was it called to chime in right here? What what was it called the what, the Arkansas Arts Center? There oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. There oh, it is. Those are the two yeah. words. They just had a really nice Arkansas exhibit Arts, there. Arts Center. They had the Mueller exhibit there. I can't remember his first name. Martin Mueller. That's his name. He's a famous collector. And he, they put his collection on display and it was like a hundred some pieces of like really high end, you know, collections like ranging from like Andy Warhol to like Picasso. Like, Well, so they pulled some serious shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. just this guy, like he has a major collection that he's been collecting. And he just years, brought it here. And he, he, here, bring, yeah. he tours it to, to exhibits, not only for himself to enjoy, but for other people to enjoy because they're... Right. Classic works for some great people, and he's got the funding to do it. Little backstory on Martin Mueller: He was a immigrant from Switzerland, I believe, and he came here with nothing and with his own like willpower and wanting to succeed and do something better with his life. He, you know, invested in some great things and came up with a lot of money, which I believe is the only way to get a lot of money. You have to be willing to to do something to contribute back to society mm -hmm. some people don't handle it handle it very well when they get their money and they take advantage of people but when you have like great plans and you want to do big things money just kind of like i don't know what's the right word right it's like circulates it, it circulates you, into your possession we, and we don't so you can spend do money things. i've just learned that no none of us spend money we're never going to say that again that means it leaves your life you never see it again you we circulate, circulate money, money. Yeah. okay? Because yeah. it it's a currency. Okay. It's a tool okay. for you to use. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. and it's about my uh, Zig Ziglar. He was a motivational speaker, and he said, you know, money is <clears throat> like oxygen. You know, when you need it, you really need it. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that those tires will fall off your car. You know, those Absolutely. brakes will give out. You that engine will too. I mean, like things happen in your life, and oh, so, it definitely is. Yeah. And so you know that's and c'est la vie. That's part of life. Again, while our other guests were apprehensive about the future of arts and culture in Little Rock, Gangy on the whole was optimistic, as if words such as implausible or impossible have never entered her vocabulary, which is where Katie gets her unflagging determination. When confronted with an obstacle, rather than find a solution, Gangy seems to batter the impasse into utter obliteration. No, like at the art center, they don't do any classes mm -mm, in writing. Mm -mm. I, know, I mean, they may now, they didn't when I was there. Well, you know, you, you ought to go down there and check that out, push them a bit. See? It's hard not, I will say it's hard with me up in New York, you know, like I've been trying to help set this up down here and... 
you really just like even even my friends, uh, you know, Mariah and Drew, who are, are are very willing to do this with us, have already said like, you know, we don't know the community is just not as strong down mm-hmm. here. Like you might get friends to show up for the first one. So how do you how do you really get people? interested and engaged and that's kind of what we're working on well i i don't mind going uh, to the art center and talking to um the people whose names i cannot recall right now (laughs) that's step one all right listen listen arkansas you know what you used to call it the arkansas fart center (laughs) (laughs) not not you know we love the art center but it was funny yeah Yeah. (laughs) arkansas art center watch out gangie's coming for you (laughs) (laughs) well they used me after you left they like the way I raised money. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's where you get it from. She does that for her job all the time. Well, it's, it's just, you know, you just, got, you just got to ask for it. Basically. <laughs> but uh, they had me calling on the big corporations, you know, going to the director's meetings and all that. And Gosh, I can't even remember now. But it was for the art center to try to get money because they've dropped so much of the stuff. Out of the schools now. Yeah, that's what, well, you know, it's in New, pathetic. You uh-huh. know, my, so the place where I work up in New York is called Community Word Project. Uh-huh. It's a nonprofit, and we send teachers into the schools through our nonprofits. And those organizations, arts education organizations, have risen because of that, what you're talking about right there, because they keep cutting arts programs from uh-huh. schools. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just it's pathetic. But new, so New York really fought back in that, and like a lot of people started nonprofits, but you're just not seeing that down here yet. And I think like, I think that's a real thing to think about. Like, how could we do that down here, too? Not to generalize Arkansans, but the majority of my conversations were attended by a palpable, if subtle, sense of insecurity. No matter how long they've been painting or playing music or writing or crafting, they never considered themselves an authority on the matter. As if art is above their station, reserved for those living in New York or Paris or any singularities for Western culture and intellectualism. But yeah, so our producer just sign to me that you paint as well you know that yeah i paint (laughs) nothing amazing very bashful about it i am bashful mariah discredits herself she's talented in many ways we commissioned her to create a piece for our website all too often i sense this people downplaying or belittling their skill and intelligence it seems to me that when you lose arts and culture you lose something of yourself On our last podcast, Sean Castile, co-owner of Via Design and Development, brought up a good point. He said, how can you have a literary culture here when there is a literacy problem? Superimposing the question onto this episode, the question then becomes, how can we grow arts and culture here when its potential constituency has lost belief in themselves and their own creativity? How do you champion those without a league to play in? So when I think about, I thought about this podcast and I was very intimidated the first night that I was even like, oh my God, there could be a podcast. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody gets in their head and we got to remember that everybody gets in their head and like nails themselves to the wall a lot of times, Mm -hmm. like just so hard. Like you don't have anything worthy to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like how can you talk about art, you know? Sure. But I've, taken art classes my whole life my favorite thing which is all that my favorite you're into it version of like if we're talking about actual like 
it's not interpretive dance, but I do love to dance, and there's an art in dance. There's there's the martial arts, and I would mm. love to be a martial artist. But when we're talking about physical, tangible art, things you can put your hands on or visualize and see, is pottery. Like I almost made a shirt, and oh. while I was in my pottery class, because I had electives, so I used those electives for art. I took theater, judo, uh-huh. and pottery. I tried to take painting, but I realized that I was like, I had a twisted ankle and I came in on crutches and the, and the teacher That's was tough, like, yeah. I just don't think you're getting this. And I was like, I got, my, I got my armpits, you, ar- armpits dude. Like, yeah, uh-huh. I'm taking this as an elective, but he was such an asshole to me that I, I might just not never know how great of a, a fucking painter I am. Uh-huh. Because I didn't take the goddamn class in painting. <laughs> with the crutches. You know, um, so that led me to theater. And I walked my ass with the crutches out of that class. And mm-hmm. was like, fuck this guy. Fuck this teacher. I'm That's gonna... the attitude you gotta have. And man. I was like, I'm gonna go for something else that I want to do. And that's theater. And so, But if we're talking about actual tangible things, it's pottery. And so I made my first teapot, you know, was made from the very first piece of clay that we didn't even know we were making a teapot. Did you know that? He said, we made a pinch pot, okay? Which is where you take a clay, you stick your thumb in the very middle of it, a big lump of clay, kind of like shit. (laughs) I got a question for you, though. So does that make you think of someone blocking access to you to, like, learning something when you were on those crutches? And, like, because, for example, I've, you know, I've said this many times. We're, We're trying to, you know, we're trying to get an inclusive community involved in like writing and stuff like that you know which is i'm I'm curious about that in arkansas in general but but essentially we you know we want to avoid those situations even though that's like your personal situation when you walked in on crutches you know it's very specific but it's it you know it's kind of a microcosm of what's going on yeah yeah yeah. it's like you said there's a there you know art's a weird thing you can you know, a lot of people say you can't grade it. You can't say how good it is. Like everything's art. Whatever. Yeah, you can. Obvious, obviously, we can do a certain degree. Sometimes. But at the same time, you walk in with crutches and someone tells you you can't paint. That's and we a little weren't unfair, even painting. Right? We were you know? sketching yeah. and it was like, he's like, I, I just don't think you're getting it. So my question and is. He, he kind of bullied me in a way because he, he knew that I was probably not an artist by just my sheer lack of skill <laughs> right. at the time. Sketching. Because I don't practice that. Marcus, you, you know, I, I honestly have to say that you do. I think you do have artistic skills, Sam, because like, well, yes, um, if, absolutely. I, I, I look at like Asian culture, like the Japanese turn every fucking thing into an art form. So it's not about actual art. It's about your ability to concentrate on something that you really want to do. And your love for it and Absolutely. to make it the best that it possibly can be. And I've seen mm. you do that with things in your life, Absolutely. especially like your, your career and things that you take seriously. So that's art in itself. And yeah. I, I believe that you have the ability to do it. And again, here, take Marcus. He didn't reveal his talent's reach until prompted. But in fact, he's an incredible painter, tattoo artist, and musician. Marcus is recording an album right now with his three bandmates. And oh, you play yeah. music too? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so I'll he, play some oh, well, I know you play guitar, he's, but I didn't, know, I didn't know you played. Like, yeah, he's in a band, in a band, know, band and like he that, goes you know? to band practice. Like, Sam's come out to a week, practice. And I've come out to the practice. Yeah, well, yeah well, what's the name? 
What's the name? The band name is Necrosomnium, which translates Holy to shit, I've never even dead that. sleep. Dead asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Necrosomnium. Which is pretty Look much... at my Latin. Look at my fucking Latin. Yeah. Good learned, job. I yeah. The fucking lick of Latin. It's just yeah. literally looking shit up in the dictionary. But you that know what I mean? it basically <laughs> translates to dead off. asleep, which is pretty much the state of everybody for since forever. Everybody's been everybody dead time. asleep. We'll be dead and, asleep. And uh, yeah. the album is a concept album. It's seven songs. Six of the songs are seven minutes long. Is it metal? And one mo- one song is fourteen minutes long. It's, it's metal. Metal ish. Yeah. It's, it's like metal-ish. that's what I figured. I, but I, it's old school too. So I'm there's like it right no, it's they, there's touches of thrash. There's touches of like classic Zeppelin. There's touches of like Metallica. There's I touches of like yeah, yeah. modern like metal. But then there's touches of rock and there, it's no scream. It's all singing. Um, yeah. All of these challenges that our guests brought up make me ask one very obvious yet more so very important question. So I have a good like close-ended question uh-huh. that we can end on. Yeah. So you guys both have to answer definitively though. So you guys obviously want Little Rock to prosper. Mm-hmm. You're from yeah. here. But would you rather... Ooh, how do I phrase this? I'm trying to ask would you guys rather stick around and see it out? Or get out of here. Oh, I'm moving in a heartbeat. Not. Yeah, I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> okay, that's what I was wondering. But when pressed for non-closed answers, the outlook wasn't quite so grim. So you guys aren't leaving. So, okay. Well, what Sorry do you to do? talk what about Arkansas not growing. If you guys it are, is. Yeah. Things are getting better. Like, Little Rock downtown is actually growing. We'll go on a positive note real quick. We'll and there backtrack. are leading series. Um, and there are we've writing got, about it. But. We've got, we do have a lot of things going on downtown. A lot of places where they weren't businesses, there are now. And new things are coming up. We got this, just recently in a few years, we got this rooftop bar. We've got a bowling alley for adults only. So uh, we have bands that play. There's like art shows. There's people who are tumbling. You get a lot of mullets. Would you like to expand on tumbling? People tumble. I don't know. What? They're just like rolling on the they ground? They just roll around. They like hula hoop. Oh my hoop. God. Who knows what's going on at I River Bend? I, I got exactly I certainly what I don't. wanted out of that. <laughs> 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 um, I, just, I thought it was. I just wanted a little bit not, I just wish you could save into my head and see the imagery. Because <laughs> that's what I it is. I think I am seeing it right now, and I very much it's appreciate beautiful. it. That tumbling is an arcane form of physical expression taken up at Riverfest, Little Rock's annual music festival, which has been rocking the Arkansas River for 40 years now and running. As a kid, Katie and her friends would attend if only to smoke cigarettes, steal beers, and go mullet hunting. A still more arcane form of expression, though idiomatic even to this northerner's ear, with disposable cameras. Anyway, back to Arkansas's art scene and the importance of bolstering the community as a means for supporting individual artists. Gangy's take, ever optimistic, sums the tangible effects of an arts community, beginning with its impact on youth and education. I just think the more, the more art, regardless of what kind it is, acting, singing, dancing, writing, the more you can put that into the hands of children or the underprivileged, the the better the world's going to be. It's just going to be better. It's just better. And I think everybody should read You Do Her Wealthy. You Do Her Wealthy. Okay. <laughs> do, do you still have... I think I gave you my book. I'll have to look. She's a Southern writer. Best names. Oh, she could name her, her characters. <laughs> Katie, have you read her yet? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And what's the name of the woman that wrote To Kill a Mockingbird? Now, that's one of my favorite. Harper Lee. Mm-hmm. Harper Lee, yeah. Did you read the new one? Her, the sequel? Or the, no, was it the I have Prequel or sequel that they post, that uh, they published after her death? But is it actually a sequel? I thought it was just another book. No, it's it's related to To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, oh, it's, oh. What is it? Go go set up Watchmen? Go, is that what it is? I can't remember. Oh. I have not read it. But yeah. Oh, we'll, right. have to, we'll have to find it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Naturally, our guests had questions for us about why we want to start a salon in Little Rock and help amplify Little Rock's artistic community. What you guys are doing, and it's like, I've thought about this. Like, how do we... How do we, what do we do? Because this world is like, is really dark. And art actually really expresses a lot of that. It's kind of dark in here. And, you know, this this dystopia that we're in. It's definitely not as dark as the 1700s. So, (laughs) it's certainly not. I agree. (laughs) But, you know, as far as uh, (laughs) this this podcast goes and what you guys are all about, can y'all, can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, what's your focus? Well, this was kind of. Yeah. This what is, is your like? Because we were talking about that, and I was talking about how I respect you guys, but I want to I want y'all to really like bullseye like what your y'all's focus is. The podcast actually is. I mean, we for are someone who doesn't know and just might have heard this episode. Like, yeah, what is right, y'all's right. goal? Well, especially because the first two episodes we had, we had a the the familiar crew. Right. That like we knew everyone, you know, obviously it was our first two episodes. No one else did. We, there was kind of like a chemistry between all of us. It's more about just learning and like figuring things out as Mm -hmm. we're online here, you know? Okay. Because it's, it, you know, it's, it's a subsidiary to our, to our press, you know? Okay. I don't know. I don't know if there's much, much more I can put into that because like it's so open. I remember, I I remember we want, we want producer saying that it was something like trying to get, an expression, or I don't know if it if it was exactly from the producer, but it's more like trying to get attention to art and community and yeah. how yeah. things. Yeah, no, our, our producers are saying circle. Sam is saying everything that we need to say right now. <laughs> and what y'all are doing right now is bringing attention to something that I think gets heavily overlooked. There was this I saw it on Netflix, and it was. Or on YouTube, and it was okay. We're talking about art, so it was a comic book brought to life in a movie, okay? And it was Clark Kent, if Clark Kent landed in Russia rather than America. And so at the end of that movie, where they had gone, because Superman's essentially like a god, you know, mm-hmm. and and that culture group, he, he, it's 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 a really interesting movie, and I think that y'all should look into that. But what they focused on at their precipice, at their pinnacle, like was art and literature, and how they translated that into society because everybody needs to express themselves, and a best way to do it is in art. Like that's where singers get <coughs> their. Their therapy. I mean, art is therapy. There's it's so funny that you mentioned that because I was talking about that with you last night. I think, and we were saying how like art is pretty much like the last frontier of modern education, where it teaches people what your feelings are and what emotions are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How something we try to you shut out. You can like translate them and control them and like not be controlled by them. 
rather than conforming to yeah. what you need to do to survive. Because, like, you know, math yeah. and science and social studies and all those other things, they're not going to teach you about your emotions and, like, what... Yeah, I mean, balance you might have emotions book. arise from, like, reading certain things, but art teaches you, like, what it exactly it is and what it's supposed to be doing and how mm -hmm. you can, like, use it to, to, to benefit you. Absolutely. And it's such a sad state of affairs Jinx. that they're trying to, like, constantly get it out of school. Yeah, it's, well, like, one of the well, most important things. When you think about it, who builds the schools? The same people who build prisons. Oh, we well, are I mean, not. That's taught. like another hour-long conversation when we're <laughs> talking about that level of capitalism. No, we're gonna we're gonna get into that at some point. I mean, we're, we're you doing, sure will. We're, we're doing a one. We're doing a two-parter on uh, kind of like prisons and prison reform and stuff like that. Uh, oh my God, it's a business. Have y'all well, seen uh, Adam ruins everything? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Katie's yeah. In it. yeah, include me in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, the absolutely. only thing that I have left to say, uh, as far as art and literacy. I heard a wise man once say that you never really learn how illiterate you are until you read a really good book. Oh, mm. wow. Yeah. And that resonated with me so profoundly because Oof. even when you read it I just a got second... Half, I just got a half chub right there. Even when you read it a second time, <laughs> when you read the same book the second time, you're like, fuck. It's like watching a movie for the second time. You're like, I didn't see any of that. Yeah. Like, you read things. And I really have to strongly stress that... I gotta nothing, tell you, nothing will teach you the things that you need to learn in life. Let me let me tell you something. Better than a book, I, I, you can I, I, listen. Th this this kind of no, well, I'm sorry. I, I have yeah, to yeah. say this. I have yeah. to say this. Like if you've ever it, you'll never see a more practical example of that than when you watch the movie Cloud Atlas and read the yeah. book Cloud Atlas. Yeah. You go from a cinematic kind of almost Hollywoodified experience. Yeah. Into reading a book that is actually maybe my favorite book I've ever read in my, my life. Holy my, shit. Mine is Dune. Dune? Yeah. Oh, I read that. Man, I read that. And you read that and then you so watch the movie. Ago. Like, it's pretty similar, but then, like, the book goes into more of a, like, a political kind of stance on it and, like, shows, oh, yeah. like, how, it's almost like a projection of the future of how things would be. Uh -huh. And then the movie is, like, you know, Hollywooded it the fuck out, but. I agree with yeah. you totally. I mean. Uh, you never really. You never like, know. You never know how much you are inferring about your surroundings and your environment and your own thoughts until you actually read a book where you can do it from someone else's words. And also, that's why that's why literature is so fucking important. It also because lets you know where your vocabulary well, level yeah. is at. Like For when you're sure. reading well, yeah. a book and all that new information isn't put it and you're like, what the fuck just did I just read? Like yeah. what happened? <laughs> some Hamlet, bitch. I feel bad about that sometimes. <laughs> we learned so much on our trip to Arkansas. That little rock is sprawling and welcome and wanting and naturally abundant all at once. For us, it's the perfect place to set up an artist salon. A place that could use a community as conduit to both expressing themselves and finding collective meaning in the process. But also, it's a place already sprouting with radicals for a thriving artistic community. What with the theaters, the music scene, and the local talent we talked about in this podcast, Little Rock is merely a bud waiting to pop and thrust forth into the sunlight. Gangi's advice reflects what we strive to do and the reason we're here in Arkansas, building the foundation for what we are confident will be a thriving arts community. <laughs> no. Is there anything we need to know going forward in our press that yeah. you think? Because, you know, you, you set me this way. Just, just, I would have to just say, keep it real. Be so open and so honest. Don't ever try to impress somebody that you're trying to get on the train you know just be open and honest and work your tails off <laughs> i like that you know we do i like that a lot 
that's definitely something you don't always get in the publishing industry or a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. No, just truly, I, I just think the best way to do anything is very openly, very honestly. People like to say, well, you have no filter. I know, I don't. <laughs> You're in good company. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, who needs a filter? <laughs> maybe some of this stuff that comes out of me might be, do some good. I think maybe a, 45 needs a filter. Uh, yeah, there was, a, there was a popular hip-hop song about 10 years ago or so that's, that was called Blame It on the Alcohol. We can just blame it on the eggnog. Maybe that's what we call this one. <laughs> We're just pounding eggnog here in front of a makeshift Christmas tree that Katie made out of books. Books. Yeah. <laughs> that's our decorations this year. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review on whichever platform you're listening. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Animal Riot Press or Facebook and Instagram at the same name or through our website, AnimalRiotPress.com. This has been the fifth episode of the Animal Riot Podcast with your host, Brian Birnbaum, and featuring Suzanne Watts, a.k.a. Gangi, Drew Wilkerson, Mariah Harrison, Marcus Fisher, and Sam Cooper. Transcripts for our deaf and hard of hearing animals are provided by Jonathan Kay, and we are produced by me, Katie Rainey. See you later, you filthy animals. Very good, very good. It's the burn, bombing on yelling, getting gully as the fern. How no much of belly.